Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, man. After we've been on the air for three hours, it gets loopy in here a little bit. Oh, no, it's all good, man. We rock at 9 o'clock. We, uh, we get ready to rock this thing, man. Yeah, bring that energy, Key. Yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. Key's just got jokes. Key's got jokes and, you know, commercial break. It's good. You know, I he think always Jay, got Jay jokes. Billis is going to join us. We just had Paulie Feinbaum on. Who else? Paulie Feinbaum. We got Paulie from, Feinbaum. Paulie's from the, Jersey now. Paulie the, Feinbaum. We got Marcus Ware coming on. We straight. Yeah. Let's go. Well, uh, are you aware, Keyshawn, that Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance and that all guests join on the Goodyear hotline? I am now. I love Progressive. The Steelers won their fourth straight and 19th in a row at home on Monday Night Football. Boy, they don't. How many years has that been? Everyone's talking about the taunting call on the Bears' Cassius Marsh that you could argue cost the Bears a chance to win the game. The Bears still took the lead following this call. But we can talk about it. With 3.20 left in the game, Marsh sacked uh, Roethlisberger on third and eight. Okay, Sacks the quarterback, third and eight. Then he does a spinning jump kick to celebrate, which is his move. That's what he does after he records a sack. He does a spinning jump kick. The penalty that ensued extended the Steelers' drive and allowed them to kick a field goal to go up by six. Justin Fields and the Bears responded by driving down the field and scoring a go-ahead touchdown on a pass from Fields to Darnell Mooney. Then Chris Boswell nailed a 40-yard field goal with 20 seconds, 26 seconds left, and the Bears wound up missing a 65-yarder. So here's Marsh, the linebacker's perspective on what happened with the penalty. I think that uh, that, that one was just uh, bad timing. Um, it was, I think... It's pretty clear to everybody who saw it that I wasn't taunting. And, um, like, you know, I've been doing the celebration my whole career, and, uh, you know, it's just sad to see stuff like that happen in a close game like that. It's just rough, man. I don't, I don't want to say too much because y'all know how it is. But the one thing that I will say is, uh, you know, on my way to the sideline, I got hip-checked by the ref, and it's, it's pretty clear. If I were to do that to a ref or even touch the ref, you know, we'd get kicked out of the game and possibly suspended and fined. So I just think that that was incredibly inappropriate, and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, but you, I, I think when you start to stare down the sideline and walk toward the sideline, they're going to most likely throw the flag. Now, the referee – backing up into him and kind of giving him a little bit of a chicken arm and then sliding into him. I, I think that convinced or encouraged the ref to actually pull the flag. Ah, does he throw the flag if there wasn't physical contact between Marsh and Carrenti, the ref, because Marsh thinks that's why the flag was thrown, right? I, I, he started pulling it out. Like he put his hand on it and started pulling it out as uh, Marsh was headed toward – the sideline, and then he started to get it. One of his teammates came over, so he reached up and well, he started to pull it, but he didn't actually pull it till the he, contact. Then he, he, then well, he. actually, the timing of it, he didn't reach for it until Marsh started turning around to come back to run towards him, and he, his hand, he just his hands on his waistline. But it's not until he gets bumped 
that then he takes the flag and throws it up like in a very demonstrative man, way. He was like a bullfighter, like Ole. A very like, he showman-like he threw it up. Exactly. He's on TV though now. So, you know, you got to make it look good. I know, but it like, okay, well, this is what Corrente says. First of all, keep in mind that taunting is a point of emphasis this year. Corrente, the ref, said this in a pool report. Define and with that said, I saw the player, after he made a big play, run toward the bench area of the Pittsburgh Steelers and posture in such a way that I felt was taunting them. So Throw the flag. It has nothing to do with the taunting. Marsh said that, and like, it was a hip check was the reason, right? Like, if you if you look at it, when Marsh goes by Correnti, to me it looked like you said the, the, the little the, the chicken wing or chicken arm, whatever you want to say. Wing. Yeah, chicken wing. Yeah, where where he, he tries to catch him on the right side as Marsh is going by him. He misses. And then the ref stuck out his hip to clip Marsh so he couldn't get away without contact. Well, and then he threw the flag. Well, what's the incentive for the referee to I don't know. do that? But like, let me ask you a question. What, what's it, the incentive? If, 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 if you're a ref yeah. and you're watching – I'm watching Keyshawn Johnson going towards an opposing bench, staring. I'm throwing the flag. I'm throwing the flag. I'm not waiting for you to run by me into body bump, booty bump me. It just it, you throw the flag. I don't I, you understand know what, why there's a the reaction. Was he did okay? He was watching him the whole but time. He, he he probably saw him doing it, but you know how it is. He saw him doing it, but he didn't walk past him. He ran past him, and it looked like he might have been saying something. So I think that's what encouraged him to throw the flag. Like he was still, whatever, hyped I, up and screaming or whatever the case is. And the ref was like, okay, I'm going to quiet you down. Bam. Or, or, or let me propose an alternative theory. He, he kept the grassy, the, he kept his hand up. The grassy knoll, okay? Look, even as a point of emphasis, that was Weak Thank to call you. to call a penalty on that is weak, especially when it's a dude's signature move after he scored. Right? Okay, so that's the first thing. Then the second thing is he tried to catch him with the arm, missed, hip checks him. To me, it looks like the re- this is what it looks like. I'm not saying this is the referee's intention. From where I'm sitting, it looks like a story that would fit the facts. Or is Marsh said something to the ref? I don't know. Something happened. Carrenti was looking to get him. That's what it looks like. Tried to get, like, wanted to get him on the taunting. Man, it's not enough. Oh, wait a minute. If he makes contact with me, ooh, missed him. Ooh, got him. Now I throw the flag, and I'll say it's for taunting. Like, he was, like, an adding up of stuff. It, I just, I'm not saying he, that's what was in his heart, but it fits yes. the facts. So what happens to the referee now? Do, do they investigate the ref? Do they suspend him? For, do they punish him some, to some degree? Because I'm sure the Chicago Bears are going to put in some sort of request of have an investigation on what the referee was doing. I mean, yeah, you have think, to. You would think. I don't know if it's – is it slick enough? Like, even though that's what it looks like to me or to you or but something I think else. It looks like, I think it looks that way to everybody, yeah. what he did. Could he? But is it slick enough in terms of walking that line that you can get away with it? That's the question. I don't know. Tony Corrente has been around for a long time. In terms of refing, I mean, I know him. He's ref games of mine before. He's, I mean, I, I don't know. The motive does yeah. seem weird. It's Although, weird. Like, what is he doing what, it for? What would the motive be? Can I give you another point that I saw last night at the end of the game? I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, Mike Tomlin wins his 150th game. And it's a lot of games. You know, we, we talk a lot about who the MVP of the league is. And you're sitting there saying Lamar Jackson because look, at what, he, look what he's doing it with. I'm sitting there saying, okay, like there are a lot of great coaches. What Cliff Kingsbury's been able to do in the league with the Cardinals, you know, what Sean McVay's been able to do with the Rams, you know, 
Titans, um, all these good coaches. But you're sitting there saying, speaking about what he's doing with the people he has and Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he tried to air one out last night. You can just tell his arm is not there. I'm sitting there saying, damn, Mike Tomlin is doing so much with this squad. The fact that they're one game behind Baltimore. They're one game better than the Browns. Yeah. And this work five and three, that's incredible to I, me. I think, I think a program like SC should give him an interview. Give him a shot. Give him a shot. Give the guy a shot. I mean, <laughs> give him a call, Key. I mean, the fact is, Tomlin. That's why I keep. That's why I keep picking the Steelers. Any game where I'm like, mm, they could maybe win that game. I'm going to put that in the win column because he's not going out with like a six win season. It's just not going to happen. It's not him. He's too competitive. And by the way, Belichick. I got to say this too. But you know, oh no, Tom Brady. You missed the playoffs, and now you're struggling. But they went seven and nine, two plays away from being nine and seven, and now this year they're five and four. There are some coaches, some people who can't be in a losing situation. They're not going to let it happen. They're going to be a ten and seven, eleven and sixteen. Oof. Is what mm-hmm. they're going to be. It's a lot. Yeah, no, but you got to think about it. New England Patriots, they're not going to lose. Oh, the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots are not going to lose four and five more games. They're just not going to. And the do Steelers. That. Steelers are what five and three, five and, five and three, four, uh, five and three, five and three. Okay, five and three. Yeah. They not Instead gonna they gonna three, same man. thing. They gonna be in one of them eleven and six. It's crazy. They gonna be one of them eleven and sixteen. It's it is it's crazy. They're not gonna. They got eight more games to go. No, they got they got. I'm sorry, they got nine more games to go. They're not going to lose half of those games. We had Mike T, Mike Tannenbaum in here earlier, and I was saying this, and this is the way. I'm sorry, it's like the the, the dumb sports pundit way to think about it, but I'm that's me. So. Guys, NFL games can flip on such a little thing, a call here, an interception, something like that. If you have someone with a track record, 10-plus years, above 500, above 500, double-digit wins, and you never see them below 500, there's something about them. At a certain point, it's not just, well, they were lucky to do this. There's something about them that's winning, right? Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, that's why I'm even looking at the Seahawks. Everything that's gone, gone wrong for the Seahawks – Never one time nine wins, otherwise above double digits, right? Tomlin over always always over five hundred. Uh, 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 Belichick back to their winning ways. It, 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 you can't just write it off to well they're they're fortunate to be in this position. It's something about coach. And I give him a lot of credit because you know look he stayed with Big Ben, and Big Ben has led them to these wins. You think he's going to win a playoff game though? I'm not going that far. No, but. see, that's the problem. But, but I'm not he going could that far. Me game. neither. What if he get? What if he draws the Indianapolis Colts? Possible, right? Possible. Or what if he draws the Cleveland Browns? Or what if he draw? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if he draws the New England Patriots? Yeah. It just, it all just depends. You yeah. can win a playoff yeah. game. A playoff. Getting into the tournament is the key. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Hey. And we now welcome in DeMarcus hey. Ware on the Goodyear Hotline. We only made about 100 million Pro Bowls. What's up, DeMarcus? What up, D? Hey, what is up, fellas? Thank you for that crazy introduction, man. I know we got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> What's happening, big country? Hey, man, good, man. I'm just getting up this morning, getting everything going. You just getting up. You should have been up. It's... Where you at? What part of the country are you in? Oh no, I, I was up at four fifteen. Okay, morning. well that's what I'm I talking get up about. Early, but my body, my body hasn't woken up yet. Mm. Well, Understood. that's 
That's what's good. I'm I'm glad that you're going in the direction that we all are at 4 a.m. in the morning. We'll get to USAA in a second, but let's talk some <laughs> Cowboys first. What was the biggest reason for the Cowboys' struggle against your uh, other former team, the Broncos? Um, I think we had a setback in what I saw last year, and that's stopping the run. Um, we didn't control the trenches on defense, and that's, to me, that's where I think we have won a lot of football games at the beginning to where you control, you know, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the field, and we didn't do that. I mean, that got sacked a lot, and then you can see the defense. I don't know who number 33 is, but he ran that football like it was no tomorrow. Hey, uh, D. Ware, you played alongside Von Miller, and I want to ask you real quick, Von's no longer in Denver. What will he bring to the Rams when he finally takes the field? Um. You know, first of all, I'll just say that he brings, like, a lot of charisma, but also pressure from the edge. He's one of those guys where yeah, you can drop him back where he can drop back in coverage, but he can rush from the left and the right. And when you have that beast and Aaron Donald now in the middle, not just them being able to focus on him now, now you've got two monsters. Like, when I was there and we won the Super Bowl with me and Vaughn, now you have that same thing, but now somebody in the middle. And I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. The, let me take you back real, really quickly to the Cowboys here. You know, we got a chance to hear Mike McCarthy explain to a degree why he had Dak in the game at the point where it was 30 to nothing practicing or simulating a two-minute drill. What are your thoughts about having your quarterback who has a history of injury on the field at that juncture of the game? I mean, you know how some coaches, they'll leave the players out there to, you know, get extra work. But the thing is, you got to also think about, you got a quarterback that's coming back off of injury that probably still banged up a little bit. I saw a couple of guys get banged up in the game. I would have took them out. Um, I mean, if it's four minutes left and you're losing by 30, I would have took them out and put, um, you know, what's that? Rush. I would have put Rush, you know, uh, in the game and let him go. When you, DeMarcus, you look at Dak Prescott this year opposed to the last couple years, what has impressed you so far coming off those injuries in the way that he's playing? I think just the consistency in how he's been playing. Um, Injury after injury, he's always come back and bounced back um, a lot stronger. I mean, he was 6-1 now. You know, he's just lost with only two games and still looking at being the top in the NFC East. So he's one of those guys where he bounces back. But, you know, one thing that I want to see is bounce back into the playoffs. Like, no matter what, you can always bounce back from them injuries. You can get a lot of stats, which we all know that, Keyshawn. But when you start thinking about the postseason, I want to see him get into that postseason, and then that's going to solidify him as that, to me, that solid guy. Is this team a Super Bowl contender, a legit Super Bowl contender? If they play like they played the last six games, yes. If they played like they played last week, I would say no. They would lose the first game in the playoffs because they they will have the lack of confidence that they had last game, and it's like that that tenacity. I didn't see that tenacity that that I usually see out of the Dallas Cowboys um, that they played the last you know six games. If they can play like that, yes, they are a Super Bowl contender. What have you seen from Parsons so far this year for Dallas' D? What, what excites you about him, and, and where do you think he needs to continue to improve? 
You know, it, it's exactly what I wanted to see. I've been mentoring him a little bit um, this year, and I wanted him to just get out there and play. You know, make plays and show what he's capable of no matter where they put him out on the football field. And that's what you want as a rookie. Eventually, you'll get to a point where you're even more effective at what you do. Um, but there's always room for improvement. You know, you want to see more pressure because he's sort of that pressure guy right now with Demarcus Lawrence being out. You want to see them big plays and tackle for a loss, those interceptions. I want to see more out here. You know, as, as Bill Parcells says, Keyshawn, you know, understands, you know what, if you're not out there, I can't evaluate you. So you're really not on the team. So if you're not making plays, I don't, I don't know who you are. I'm not talking to you. That's one of those Bill Parcells um, slogans. So I want to see more out here. Trayvon Diggs was making plays um, early in the year. And it seems like he didn't scare anybody off. They're still going at him. And now he's not making as many plays. What's your evaluation of his season so far? Um, I think he's been having a phenomenal season, um, how he's been playing and what he's been doing. But, again, you got to show consistency like that every single game. If you give me an interception every game, I want an interception every game. If you're Micah Parsons, if you're – Sacking the quarterback every game. I want to see a, a quarterback sack every game. You know, the expectations are really, really high. So for him, he's been playing well. But guess what? I expect more. I expect more out of him because he's a, I mean, a phenomenal. He's a great player. So I want to see more of those big plays because those big plays have been getting them over the hump also in those games, and those are game changers. DeMarcus Ware, former Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl champion, Denver Bronco, and my former teammate joining us are Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max uh, Mark, Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, for whatever reason, he felt like the Broncos have the blueprint for beating the Cowboys now. Should the Cowboys be worried about him sliding that blueprint to other teams throughout the NFL? <laughs> you know, as they say, the eye in the sky don't lie. And the coach doesn't have to say anything. Everybody's going to go back and watch the tape, see exactly where they messed up at. And the next team that they play, they're going to have some of the same exact plays. Even if they're not part of their blueprint of plays that they usually run, they're going to try in many ways to see if they can stop them. So no matter what, it doesn't even matter about Big Fangio. It matters of are you going to be able to stop those same mistakes this next week because I'm going to try it again. DeMarcus, tell us what you're doing today on behalf of the veterans as you join us. You know what? You know, with Veterans Day, I've always been, you know, a big advocate of, uh, you know, just Veterans Day and teaming up with US, USAA to sort of encourage all Americans to sort of step up and step out and support. I mean, 2.5 million veteran-owned companies, right? And people don't understand that there are veteran companies that own donut shops, pizza shops, so on and so forth. And it's hard for veterans to transition from the um, work into the workforce from the military force, right? And so I just want to people, so people just really participate, and I want them to sort of give us a little extra on their social media, and I want them to put a V on their hand, draw it on there, go into a veteran-owned company, um, take a picture with that V on their hand of their of their palm, and then just post that, right? And, you know, hashtag honor through action. So we're trying to honor people through, honor the best through action, and um, and sort of bring awareness to, you know, the whole, you know, vet community. And it's just a great opportunity for me to, to be part of this because my family 
a big military family, and I'm um, just really trying to give back and help where I can. Mm-hmm. DeMarcus Ware, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us, DeMarcus. I was trying to like think of a nine-time Pro Bowler. Nine-time Pro Bowler. Yeah. I'm some respect on that man's name, Max. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I was trying to think. like, wait. I saw, so I looked up. I was like, it was nine, nine Pro Bowls, right? And I looked it up, and it was also four-time, first-team, three-time, second-team. Yeah. Thanks, DeMarcus, for jumping on with us. Thanks, D. All right, thank you guys so much. Right, One of the world's most famous coaches for the final time at the world's most famous arena. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. I was on a hot streak into that waste paper basket, guys, until uh, the last five shots. I'm like one from my last five. Um, <laughs> we are joined now on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max by, ES, by ESPN's very own. Uh, Jay Billis, of course. So um, we call him the czar of basketball. The czar, yes, the czar of basketball. That's what I call him. Yes, my, my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, key. Just he always likes to show me up if I miss into the waste paper basket. Key reminds immediately to crumple it up and hit one from from longer Money. range. Let's see. That's oh. all. Yeah. All right, JB. So I, I I did my top five, but obviously you know way more about college basketball than I do now. Um, let me get your thoughts. Number five, Michigan. Number four, Kansas. Number three, Texas. I heard that's an iffy one, Texas. Number two, Gonzaga. Number one, UCLA. What are your thoughts? I like UCLA at one. Um, all those teams are, are capable. So that's a good top five. Uh-oh. I think Duke is way underrated right now. I love when you yeah. do that, by the way. You always build me up. You say, I think all those teams are no, great. great. But, <laughs> but, I mean, the truth is none of us really know. At this time of year, you don't know. They didn't know in college football. Um, they had Clemson. What was Clemson number two? Yeah. And they're almost, you know, they were 500 for a while. So we don't really know. There are new pieces some of these places. The, the good news about college basketball this year is we've got an unbelievable crop of freshmen and uh, all these transfers and guys coming back. We've got more really good players coming back this year than in any year I can remember, you know, except if you go back to the 90s or something, when, you know, back when guys stayed. But you know, we're going to have guys that are 25 years old playing this year because <laughs> of this, this extra year of eligibility. Uh, they can it's actually go pretty rent, remarkable. They can actually go rent cars now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Kentucky went from like ridiculously young to AARP. Jeez, uh, they, they're the oldest team they've had since the 1950s, I think it is. Wow. And uh, you know they've got a bunch of transfers coming in, so they've. I think uh, together that team has logged over 13,000 minutes of college basketball. And a number of them are 24, 23 years old. It's, it's does does that help, list. like, the Kentuckys and hurt the Gonzagas? Like, does that help the, the, the programs that you're expecting, like, the one-and-dones, because now you combine that with experience 
on the other hand? Yeah, they're, they're just a different type of one and done. So they're an older one and done. You get, uh-huh. a, you get a grad transfer in, they're only there for a year, but yeah. they're 23, 24 years old and they've got a ton of experience. The only problem, as you guys know, is they, they don't have experience in your system or experience playing with the other guys in the program now. But I tend to think that they can adjust faster than a bunch of freshmen can. Uh, but, you know, like Kentucky's going to be really good this year with all the transfers they've got in. But I don't think they're going to be as good as they were when they had the super talent of like 2015 or something like that. When you bring Carl Anthony Towns and guys like Tyler Eulis, guys like that, they were they were much better. And Devin Booker, like they had NBA All Stars on that team, uh, and they don't have that with these guys. They got like solid, really good, like maybe make the NBA or solid European pros. So which Jay- is not bad, by the way. Your European pros are still good players. Still good players. So Jay Billis. I have to say that because if I just say, Jay, both of you will be like, huh? But it, it, does that mean like these guys at Kentucky, you could just go and play? You don't have to necessarily p- implement a, a strong system in there because of their experience and they haven't played a whole lot of basketball no, together? No, it's a good question. I, th- I think you still have to implement the system that works for, for that personnel. But like John Calipari was saying recently, like he, he forgot that with older guys, like you don't have to tell them to be on time. Hmm. You don't have to shepherd them around. You know, they know all that stuff already. So you can just get down to the nuts and bolts of this. And they understand leadership a little bit better and team dynamics and how a locker room is supposed to work. Uh, So you're not, you know, you're not like doing kindergarten stuff uh, of college of how to Mm -hmm. acclimate them to how this is going to be difficult. They know, like they step into this Champions Classic they know what a crowd's like. They know, you know, they, they, they've looked out in the crowd and seen celebrities and stuff like that. They're not going to be as wide-eyed as a freshman would be. Jay, I haven't spoken to Coach K in, in a little bit. Obviously, we both know how he gets bogged. He into seemed the a season. lot happier. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, his team's definitely not turning the ball over at the same rate they were when I was there. But I, uh, you have spent time with him. Huge year, right? Uh, makes an announcement. This is his last year coaching. What's the kind of energy he's given off? I mean, obviously, I know he's fixated and focused, but does it feel different being around? It does. There, he, he seems Jake like ridiculously happier than than normal, hmm. and he's not a you know he's always a happy guy. You know, there's certain times you run into him that you don't want to maybe not not hang around if you know if you or me said something he didn't like, or if you turned the ball over or made a mistake when you're playing for him. But one of the reasons I think he's he's really happy right now, he really likes his team. They're really good. And then the other part of it is he knows what's coming and you know, he he understands like okay, this is it for me. And then he he hasn't had to recruit. Like he hadn't hmm. been on the road recruiting all summer long. So he spent all of his time on campus at home with the players. So he feels like oh, I know these guys better than than I have in a long time. And all my energy is going where I want it to go. And, and by the way, John Shire has one of the top recruiting yeah. classes he landed for following you. Right. And he's out doing it. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's going to be his team and his players that he's recruiting. Coach K hadn't had to do that. He's dealt with players when they've been on official visits or all that stuff. But, uh, but you know, it, clearly there's been a lot of wear and tear saved because of that. Uh, so I think he feels better. He looks better, and and I think generally he just he just seems like in a really happy, good place. Now that'll change when he gets a bad call tonight. He won't look happy then. <laughs> but uh, but I I, I think uh, I think he's in as good a place as you can. Be. I just always wonder, you know, when you see Kobe do his last year or D Wade, it becomes such a big thing. Every every time you go play, you know, there's somebody praising you, and I just wonder how the team. Like the, the kids on the team are going to – not kids. I know, the men on the team are going to handle that 
emotional ride. Well, he's thought about that. I mean, we actually talked about it. Um, you know, he's not going to spend as much time talking about, well, this is my last year. I'm doing this, you know, and, and the feeling of the players feeling like they have to win for him instead of win for themselves. Like, like it, it's, it's his last year, but it's also the last year this particular team's going to play together. It's the only year this particular team's going to play together. So it's going to be about them. He can't do anything about – he can tamp down a little bit of it. He can't do anything about the stuff we say. You know, we're going to be – this is the last time Coach K puts his socks on in Madison Square Garden. You know, stuff like – we're going to do that stuff. And he's going to get gifts. My thing is, like, he should, get a, he should have a registry like a bride. Because you might as well get <laughs> yeah, stuff you right want. Yeah. And then cross it off the yeah. list. You go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like so, you know, the garden, when they give him something, they don't just give him some, like, a piece of the floor – if you give him something, he's going to hang on a wall. It's never going to see a wall, right? Because he's got so got no much wall space. stuff. Well, he's wall got space so much stuff gone. everywhere. It's crazy. Like there's no. You go into his office. There's not one. You can't tell what color it's painted because everything it, it, wall space is totally <laughs> taken up. And I, I, it's true of his home and and all that. So he, you know, he, a he's registry getting, is brilliant. Like that should be the new thing. Yeah. People on farewell tours should have a registry yeah. and. <laughs> They get everything they want. Yeah, I need a three wood. You know, whatever. What, you know, whatever. He doesn't play golf because he. You know, I think he looks down upon those of us who do. But uh, good man, uh, yeah, I think it'd be perfect. Jay, what uh, what type of stress level do you think Coach K will be going through, knowing this is his last year, and he's trying to get that last title? I don't. That's it, it, funny, Key. I don't think it'll be a stress level. I think a lot of the stress will be gone. Frankly, that that he can concentrate on what's important. Uh, he's not going to be distracted by some other, you know, some other things like recruiting, which is a constant, is you know, it's a constant thought of coaches. You know, it's not just the team you have; it's you got to be recruiting to make sure that you have a team the next year, and it's it's a good team. So that that that's a that's a stressor that is gone now. Um, I, I don't know that he's necessarily looking at it. You know, I, I have to win a title in my last year. I think he wants to make up for last year. Like last year, not only the team didn't perform as well as he wanted, but it it just was a negative experience going through the whole COVID deal. It was for everybody. It was like last year. It was like eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. only a year ago. That, what? Yeah, isn't it crazy? And then it's now crazy. they're going to be fans back, and so things are starting to feel normal. So I think him. I think being normal again will remove. It'll feel like it's less stressful than last year. I I, I really believe that. I, you know, I'm an idiot. It doesn't even occur to me that his day to day experience, no recruiting, like completely off off his plate. What does that even do to someone who has to spend so much of their energy and everything well, doing Max, that? Even last year was virtual. I mean, John Calipari would say, man, I wish we can change recruiting to being virtual. I don't have yeah. to get on the plane after a game and go talk to a kid in the middle of nowhere and then come back and coach my team. Well, I mean, it's true. No, I, mean, I know. I'm just thinking like the middle of nowhere. But there's a, le- you know, there's a lesson there, mm-hmm. and, and that is – you know, the energy you put into recruiting that you think is making an impact usually isn't making that mm-hmm. big of an impact. And, you know, it's kind of like when we were when we were younger, you know, you got recruited. Yeah. They sent you letters. You know, now you get text messages all the time. But, but you know, somebody got the idea of I'm going to send Keyshawn Johnson. I'm going to send him a letter, five letters a day, <laughs> you know, and, and they think you're out working. Meanwhile, you're throwing all those things away. Like, you know, I didn't look. I didn't read half those things. And, and I didn't read any letters either. Yeah, but, <laughs> for different but, reasons. But why would you go out and waste all this time recruiting and babysitting guys? They feel like if they don't, they're yeah. at a disadvantage, and they're probably not. Same same letter, Jay Billis and Jay Will got. I got same exact letter. Right. 
That's Jay Billis, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in tonight for college basketball action as Kansas takes on Michigan State and Kentucky battles Duke in the Champions Classic. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. The Champions Classic is tonight's hot ticket brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seat Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. We've got to get into the MVP's early exit. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Yep. I wonder if this was playing in uh, Markeith Morris's head first. Get out of the way. (laughs) By the way, this album... Back in the old days when you had those um, CD uh, alarm clocks, this album was one of the best albums to get you out of bed in the morning of any album ever. I wonder who highlighted that. Somebody, they played, we played this over, was it Marshawn Lynch? Might have been, we might have played this like over his B-roll a couple times when he's running people over. This whole album was great. This ludicrous album was great. Uh, Luda. Nuggets center and NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, who by the way, you can make an, an MVP argument right now. Like, he, Jokic is balling still. Um, is facing possible suspension. No. After, look, no. Markeith Morris <laughs> fouled him. That was my horn. And turned his back. And Jokic <laughs> fouled him harder and knocked him down. And Markeith looked like he maybe had whiplash at first. I don't know. But he, let's put it this way. He definitely was acting on, on the hardwood like he was a basketball player, not a football player. He acted like he was seriously hurt from it, but then was able to like get up and walk around. Um, so Denver won the game 113-96, but emotions ran high afterward with Miami's Jimmy Butler shouting toward the Nuggets and needing to be held back, 
Heat coach Eric Spolster called it dangerous and dirty. Well, it was dirty, and I suppose it was somewhat dangerous, right? You yeah, can get whiplash been, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You can hurt somebody, Yeah, you man. get whiplash. Because if that. I'm not expecting for it to yeah. – I'm, not, I'm it, not expecting you, as I'm walking away, to slam me in the back aggressively. Yeah. And then all of a sudden – And especially his know, body did the wave like yeah. it does with whiplash, right? I'm that serious. That was an aggressive like when you, attacking when you style. See, when you see something, you're like, ooh, he might have whiplash. Markeith did respond like a guy – like, like, like it was like a whiplash. First off, the, the foul on Morris was a non-basketball play. Yo. Right. Straight up. It was non-basketball. wasn't going for the ball. Right. It was like a, a hockey. It was like he was checking him against the glass, even though there was no glass. Although Marquis fouled hit. him. It yeah, was, that's what I'm talking his about. Foul, he could see it coming. It was, that's right. And it was I a basketball I, play. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. But, but it was extra. Is, when it was it's, extra when it's a non-basketball play, now you're, just trying to, you're really trying to foul me hard. So when he did it, he just turned around and walked. I'm not, once again, condoning the actions of Jokic. But like, that's just like basketball scuffle to me. Yeah, Jokic had a, a natural emotional reaction to a hard foul. Like, hey, what are you doing? But because he's seven feet tall and a wide body. 260 pounds. Yeah, when yeah, he did that to different. a guy in the back, you know, and Markeith is a big dude too. But, but Jokic is a whole but lot. I don't of, see you coming. It's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's the, I don't see you coming. Here's what, Jokic, here's what Jokic had to say about it. It's a stupid play, you know. Uh, I feel bad. I, I, I'm not supposed to react that way, but it's uh, it's in the middle of the game. I got hit. I didn't. I saw him, but I didn't even like. I I, try, I thought it was just gonna be like a take foul, you know. So and he kind of bumped me, and I was like, that was a little bit like he. I think it's it was a dirty play, and then I just needed to protect myself. I I felt it bad, and it's I'm not supposed to react that way. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Rewind the tape. Did my man say bum bump? He gonna bum bump me. Bum bump. He gonna bum bump me. Bum bump. He gonna like the Kevin Hart bum bump. It's a bum bump. It's a bum bump. It's a bum bump. That's what I'm saying. It's hold you down. He gave me a bum bump. It's a bum bump. I just, I just looked it up to see what I just looked it up to see what Jokic is averaging this year so far. Now, granted, it's early. It's ten game conversation, brother. Thirty-two minutes a game. He's dropping twenty-five and a half points. 13 and a half boards, almost six assists with a block and a steal and a half. What's he shooting from the field? Okay, Yates, from, the field, from the field, 68%. Okay. No, on, on two pointers, excuse me. 40% from three, he's taking okay. four threes a game. Okay. Yates. Field goal percentage on the season, 61%. What do you think about that, know, Yates? I don't know why. Oh, guy swept, dog. It don't matter. Hey, man. Not it's not a postseason award. He didn't have Jamal Murray either. He didn't have Jamal Murray. piped it up like he was going to carry them to the finals. Without, without his second best player? Yes, Who get does him, that? Get him, Yates. Come on, man. Get him. Oh, well, you know, they didn't have what? Oh, yo, Yates, what did LeBron do without AD last year? What are you talking about? Uh, there you yeah, go. So, so there you you're going to play so sounds when we now? talk. But so you're going to play sounds. Hold up. What did KD Damn, do when he lost his guys? You want to play sounds when about KD and LeBron? You just compare LeBron James to the Joker. Max, this, I mean, this, is, the, this is the real uh, thing, though. It's yeah. a bum bum. I mean, it's a bum bum. Hey, all, I mean, KD. I'm going to say, y'all, y'all, y'all cannot like the way he plays because it's not sexy. He's one, he's one of the great top to watch. five players in the league. Bum, bum, he's yeah. great to watch, Jokic. Get him, Yates! I'm, I'm leaving bum, it open bum, for Jokic you. Jokic is amazing The, the passing, watch. the dexterity, man, his shot. The yeah. dexterity, like, y'all just, man. Y'all just you got to watch this man. He can take you down low. Like he can he shoot plays. it from outside. He's one of the best, maybe the best that's, big man passer ever in the conversation for cool. sure. That's cool, but the best setter in the league right now, even though he got COVID, you know, is, his is team is number Joel. one in the East. Well, I would say Embiid over Jokic. I would take Embiid over Jokic by a very little bit game for game. 
But Embiid wait, wait, missed too much wait, 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 time wait, wait, last time year. Time I'm taking Jokic over Embiid. Okay, uh, that's you know fair. Because but I'll take I, Embiid. Because, 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 because I'm not sure Embiid's going to be on the floor. Last year was yeah. the first year he kind of proved he didn't get hurt. But you know, okay, I, that's why I said Come game on, for year, game. And, and, and Jokic got MVP because he played every damn game. That's why I said game for game. But I'll say this about Embiid. Jokic is amazing offensively. So is Embiid. You could give Jokic the edge. But then Embiid is a defensive game changer too. It's the whole other side of the floor. Embiid is better defense. Yeah, but Embiid is is but I'm gonna take Embiid in this one, especially Embiid shows up in the playoffs and stuff like that. I'm I'm gonna roll like that. But it's close. I mean, we'll see. We mean Embiid showing up in playoffs, man. He had eight turnovers in that game. He lost to Atlanta If he can show up in the playoffs, I'm gonna take that. He's gotten better and better in the playoffs. I agree. I just, I you know, I find it really interesting that every you know Philly fan. And I, I get it. There's a lot of animosity for Ben Simmons. But so you go back to that Hawk series. And, oh, Ben was just – I'm like, y'all put everything on Ben. Like, a lot of coaching there. And there's Joel Embiid there, too, be, that last game. Can we be real about that? Doc Rivers was playing an all-bench unit that was getting slaughtered. On, like, man. if you really want to talk about what lost the series, that's really probably what lost the series more than anything. Yeah, but also, speaking of the MVP, Steph Curry dropped 50. They 9-1 yeah. right Say now. Say it again. Kevin Durant, yeah. Say it again. John Morant in that conversation. It's a bum bum. Yeah. It's a bum bum. But, but you know what, Jay? The fact that they're 9-1 and one and Clay is not there yet, they're 9-1 and, one and nine Clay and is one. not there yet? 9-1 <laughs> and one, he dropped 50. And when Clay get there, see, I'm afraid, though. I'm afraid for my Lakers. Yeah, if well, yeah. I'm afraid, man. We'll just wait till the second half. Westbrook no, I get it. Figure I it out. He always LeBron does. to be healthy. You need eight. AD, you okay? <laughs> Anthony you AD, be he's, he's a 60-game-a-year player. I hear you. 60 games. You can't expect him to play more than 60 games a year. This would be realistic. Oh, I can't wait Mello, for the NBA to really heat up. Melo doing this thing, though, Key. Dropped 29 yeah. last night. He gave 29! Him, he gave him buckets. He yep. dropped 29. Yep. All right, correct. so I no, say, I don't want to, no suspension for Jokic. So it's stop. Yeah, I think it's borderline. I think that's a borderline. If it could be a game for me, could be a game. a game. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Greenies next. We are back tomorrow. Boo. It's a bum bum. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from six to ten Eastern on ESPN Radio.